Oh look, we have an honest question from an Exmo. How long do you think it will be before you define yourself by something else? <laughs> okay, first of all, to anybody else watching, this is the same guy that a few comments ago said that he knows me, 50 to 75% knows me, because supposedly he's looked all over online to find out information about me. Not only is that impossible, but that's also creepy as fuck. But in order to get to the question, fine, here's my answer. I don't know how long I will continue making content on TikTok about ex-Mormonism. Maybe when people stop messaging me, telling me how much they enjoy the content and how helpful they find it. Maybe when the church stops indoctrinating children all over the world to believe in a ridiculous belief system that's harmful and marginalizes large groups of people, sexists and racists and all that other stuff. Or maybe when people like you stop making dumb comments like this, uh, demonstrating that you're uncomfortable with my message. Which brings me to a couple of thoughts and then a question for you. You say you're an ex-Mormon, but I'm unconvinced. Because in the brief interaction we had, and then the continued obsession that you have with my content, you've judged my whole personality off of an iota of information. And you have the narcissistic perspective that the way that you have chosen to live your life is the way that everybody else should choose to live theirs. Red flag, these are all traits of Mormon zealots, not just your run-of-the-mill Mormon. So either you're not an Exmo and you're lying, or you're an Exmo and you forgot to uninstall the firmware. Finally, a question for you. How long will you let my content my control your life? It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hello, welcome to She Became Visible. I'm your host, Renee Steelman, and I'm so pleased that you're with me today. I'm going to quickly turn on my, uh, there we go, just in case anybody comments, I want to be able to see it. So thank you for joining me this evening. I think I gave you a little preview of coming attractions. That was Shane Larson, who has a fabulous TikTok called at uh, Shane Deconstructs. And what I love about Shane and what really drew me to his social media was his humor. And it's so relevant to the ability to deconstruct, to be able to laugh at certain situations, to laugh at ourselves for maybe saying things that we now realize that people are saying back to us. And we're like, I can't believe I ever said that. Or just laugh at doctrine that we, we believed. And I think if we can't do that, then we might fall into what Brittany Hartley is talking about with the nihilism. And we don't want that. We want people to enjoy life. So let me quit talking. I'm going to bring Shane on and let him tell you his story. And hopefully we're going to talk a little bit about some of his really fun TikToks. And as soon, but not before, as soon as you're done watching this, I want you to immediately get on TikTok and, and subscribe to Shane's channel. So let me bring him on and he can introduce himself. Hello. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. So of all of the TikToks that I could have chosen, I'm hopefully that isn't the one you're like, oh, crud, don't show that one. Don't show that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I thought that was a great one to to start with. Enya is has a, a very, very soft spot in my heart from when I was like a teenager. There was something about that song that just kind of like plucked up my heartstrings. And so uh, and then, yeah, the response video to to someone who I mean, that, that person, if I remember right, he he or she just continued to nag and nag and nag. And it was really kind of like, okay, fine. I will give you a response because that's what they were asking for the whole time. Yeah. So there it was. And then I think I eventually just blocked because they just continued to like, even though I had answered what they were asking for. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
So yeah, I love it. For, that yeah. was a great pick for the video. I think it's so funny because um, you do you do hear yourself um, or reflect back on hearing yourself say what you heard our leaders, the apostles and the prophets and the people that spoke at conference when they would say things. And then we adopt that narrative. And so we start saying to people, well, you've been taken over by Satan or, or, you know, you just quit because you wanted to be able to, you know, do something fun on Sunday and all of these things that we were, we were, you know, drowned with. And mm -hmm. so when people started repeating those things back to me and I heard it for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, you've just been spoon fed and you swallowed it and chewed it up and you love it. And that's, it was, it was just another example of not even be able, being able to use a critical thinking or creative thinking to yeah. even, to even do a comeback to someone. Yeah. And well, uh, so, yeah. You hear all the time about, you know, unhealthy or incorrect or just ineffective approaches for believers when believers are faced with someone who they hear about that has, you know, started to fade away or started to disbelieve or started to show some doubt and concerns or ask questions. And you hear all the time about like, it doesn't help to do X, Y, Z. And I remember the, I remember the first time when I was on the other side of that, where I was in the room and someone was, they were actually talking about another person who they heard had stopped coming to church. They didn't know I was deconstructing and they were talking about these other people and someone said, why, why did they stop coming? What was their, pro what was the problem? And someone responded with, they just stopped doing the little things. Oh yeah. Or, you know, they just, they got lazy. I, I remember yeah. those two specific lines that were just immediately a knee jerk shared. They stopped doing the little things. They got lazy. So, and then they, you know, they dug a little deeper and they said they stopped coming to church and they weren't reading their scriptures and they weren't praying and all that. And here I was in the room for the first time experiencing the flip side of that where I was yeah. like, Oh, I get why that doesn't help. Yeah. I get yeah. why that, because right now I'm thinking I want to shout out yeah. loud and say, no, 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 no. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like the script. Like we've been given in the script. Right. It's so much deeper. And I was just, like I say, I literally was screaming inside, but I didn't say anything. And so that was a perfect example of me learning how, it doesn't help to just say these scripted things because it just sent me further down the path. Yeah. It just, sent me, it just made me realize, man, I was that blind. Right. And so I've just gone further into why it made more sense for me to continue yeah. to construct. Well, and I think too, one of the, one of the people, uh, Coco B just commented with the lazy learner comment. And I do think that um, there is a new personality with the new sheriff in town and his personality is very black and white, very old school. I'm, I'm speaking of Russell Nelson. And I remember before I even resigned my membership, uh, I was actually at a, a, a training conference out in New York. And, and I was trying to listen to as much conference as I could over the weekend. And this is when he did his um, myopic comment about his daughter-in-law who, who was grieving over the the upcoming death, her father was in hospice and he was going to be dying and she was so upset and she didn't even feel as though she could go to Russell's. She felt she went to, to um, she went to Wendy and just said, you know, could grandpa um, give me a blessing or something? Cause I just, I'm feeling such grief and I, I feel like my testimony, my faith is wavering. And his response was, well, she's just myopic. And I remember when he was saying this over the pulpit, it was October, 2022. I remember going, <gasps> Oh my gosh, that's terrible. You can't 
say that, you know. And then he went on to use it as an example of how afterwards she thought about it a little bit. And then she realized that she was. And, you know, and I was like, wow, we. The tragedy as as the offense itself. Yeah. Is how we, when we're locked into these belief systems and we put these people on pedestals, we bend our world like we've been that that's not a fair moment for that person. Right. She was a right. victim to this thinking system. But then she sort of like eventually molds and bends her worldview to say, OK, this is OK. That right. to me is, is as tragic, probably more tragic than the actual offense itself. Yeah, so much so. Well, let's start from the very beginning. I know um, I was looking at your TikTok and I think the first one of the first posts you made was in 2017 or no, 22. It was in October of 22, but you had uh, deconstructed five years before that. So that would have been in 2017. Yeah. Um, but I, what I loved was that you, your whole entire purpose of reaching out on TikTok was because you were involved in mental health and you were concerned over what was going on with people that were deconstructing. And so you were a mental health facilitator for people that were going through fundamental religion loss. And, and um, so that was the whole purpose of even starting on TikTok. And you've kind of kept up TikTok as your main focus for where you're sharing and helping people to deconstruct. So Take us back a little bit before 2017. Doesn't that, isn't that weird to look back and go, you know, you think, oh, 2000. Yeah, I remember 2000. That was just a couple of years ago. And then you realize, oh, no, that was almost 24 years ago. So um, so what was going on in your life? Start from the very beginning. Uh, we don't have five hours. I'm not John DeLynn. But tell us, a tell us a little bit about your story and and your whole kind of process of how the deconstruction started. Yeah, you bet. So I, I really appreciate the question because... Uh, it allows me a chance to to talk about something that really helped me. So, in my in my you know first few years in, after deconstruction, so my deconstruction was was primarily it started from a psychological standpoint. I didn't see some red flag in like church history or church behavior of leadership, um, or even like inconsistent doctrine or practices. It was nothing like that. It was actually like understanding that humans have a tendency to, this is very high level, but humans have a tendency to like stay locked into their beliefs, even when their beliefs are like very irrational. And I learned the mechanisms in human psychology where that is enabled, where we can get trapped and stay locked into these bad ideas for uh, a whole lifetime, right? And I, I learned this outside of the context of religion. And then once I brought it over to religion, it was like a surprise, like sprung on me moment by by a, a friend at work. And I then, once I had this sort of epistemological structure for how I should approach my ideas, my my the things that I think are true in the world. Once I then had it shifted to me or shifted over into the religion space, I couldn't find an escape because, and, and I say this all the time whenever I'm talking about this, if I had been trying to build an epistemological structure within the context of religion, my blockers would have been up from the outset and it probably wouldn't have been effective. But I built it in the business world first. And then when it was when someone said, now apply this to religion, all of those blockers that allowed me to recognize the problems that we that we do that we have psychologically to stay locked into our bad ideas, um, I, I had built them already. 
And so I couldn't escape it once I was then looking at it uh, in terms of my, my beliefs and my, my religion. And so I understood, like, then I went into my deconstruction with um, a focus on psychology. And I was able to see and witness and recognize, like, wow, this could be a huge tumble. The ground is gone. And this for, I could see how most people, many people, maybe not most, but like how many, many people will have a hard time with this. And I think there needs to be support for it. So I did two things. I said, first, take care of myself. One of the things I, one of the huge blessings or gifts of deconstruction, I think Bill Real likes to use that phrase. Uh, I think all, you know, many content creators use that phrase. One of the greatest gifts of deconstruction for me was that I learned to, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I, I learned that we take care of ourselves. If we can take care of ourselves, we can then take care of others. And so I learned that um, my charity should be at myself first and taking care of my health first, mm -hmm. and then it should go out, out and I can better be charitable to others. So, right. I'll just, and the phrase that I use for this all the time is um, self-compassion is first compassion. Mm, that's very good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, I, I think Oprah gets a lot of credit for teaching people that if we are suffering and we can't be of service to other people. And actually, the church actually teaches that. I mean, one of the main things about the word of wisdom is that if you're not healthy, if you're not strong, uh, you can't be of service to anyone else. And so, you know, I, I remember hearing that once thinking, well, that makes sense. If you have an addiction issue, you're not going to be a good partner to anyone or a good father or something like that yeah. because you're not healthy yourself. So, but then when you take it to something like the mental issues of when you realize that maybe you were in a high demand religion that is um, uh, false, then that's a whole nother, another thing. Well, no, 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 don't, don't go there. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, if you're not healthy, then you can't be of service to anyone else. So I'm, that's fabulous that you recognize that. Yeah. So, so I said before I can take, before I can try and offer support to others and, and through all this, keep in mind, I'm not a mental health professional by any means. This is just peer support that I wanted to offer. Right. And so I, I said, let me take care of myself first. I did basically a year, year and a half where I sort of pulled in and spend a lot of time meditating multiple mm. times a day meditating the sam harris app really mm. helped me help me through and listening to a lot of uh he gives you a variety of meditation uh, methods and so i just really really loved uh getting into the meditative state um and that's where i learned to look at the self and look at the ego and figure everything out there had a good year and a half or so where I just took care of my own mental health and found solid ground before I felt like I was okay to go and try and offer support to others. So mm -hmm. you mentioned the timeline from 2017 to 2022 when I first did the TikTok. Um, the first year, year and a half was just that meditation, basically. Mm -hmm. After that, I then started looking for ways to offer support and I immediately found an organization. In fact, it was an organization that I noted down early on during my mm -hmm. deconstruction called Recovering From Religion, or it's known as RFR also. Recoveringfromreligion.org is the website if you want to check it out. Um, still love it. Fantastic organization. And I reached out to them and said, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to find a way to offer my time to help people who are in the deconstruction space. And they said, sure, they, we did some interviews and stuff. And finally, they said, I think your fit is to be um, a peer support facilitator. And so about 
I want to say it was a total of about four or five months of training and back and forth and interviewing and talking with people, uh, learning the ropes, getting like they do their own certification course. And I got certified through Recovering from Religion to offer peer support. And we did, we started doing virtual. It's just like right at the time, right? It was right. I got certified right before COVID. And so I didn't ever actually do an in-person because right as soon as I got certified, COVID hit and they said, we're going virtual. So since then, until just like two months ago, I have offered a monthly peer support virtual uh, session to anybody that wanted to come and join. And it's the Salt Lake City chapter of Recovering from Religion. Um, and it's just a peer support group online. That's amazing. I'm no longer the host there. Mm-hmm. I just recently retired. I have some different plans on my efforts to try and help support the community. Uh, but that was a fantastic organization, still is a fantastic organization. They offer all sorts of great support from those, the peer support groups. They're all, they, they do virtual, they do in-person, they do a Monday. It's a weekly Monday. It's called RFRX. It's like a person comes that has like knowledge and expertise in a certain specific area. And then they do sort of like a social online thing. And um, so, and then there's all sorts of resources, including one great organization or one great arm of their organization called uh, seculartherapy.org, mm. where mm. you can search for therapists local to you that are, that are publicly secular, which is a strange thing in America. It's hard to like come out public and say, I'm a secular therapist. You're going to get like some pushback on that. It's kind of a mm. weird, un, un, it's not right, but, mm-hmm. but this is a, an arm of that organization that helps people connect with local secular therapists because that could be good or the right fit for people. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I can't imagine someone uh, going into any other professional in, a, in, a, in the medical field and saying, you know, you go to your primary care physician and they... And for example, my dad, um, my mom and dad were serving a mission in New York and the New York temple closed down, you know, how they closed down for a couple of weeks and they clean and all of that. So they came back to Oregon because they had, um, um, Kaiser. And so they didn't actually have any medical services while they were in New York. So they come back to Oregon They go, we've got two weeks. We'll go get our physicals. We'll do dental work. We'll do all of this stuff. So my dad goes in for his physical and they rush him to the hospital and he has triple bypass surgery. So I can't imagine the him saying, wait, wait, is my cardiologist LDS? I need to, you know, if he's not LDS, you know, is my dentist LDS? Well, he probably is because they're all LDS, but you know what I mean? Or any, uh, is my CPA LDS? Yeah. But when you're looking for a therapist, they want to know if they're LDS. You know, you say, well, they're a secular therapist. You're like, well, I don't know about that then. They're not going to understand you know, that I need to read my scriptures three times a day and, and, you know, this kind of stuff. And it's like, there is no other field in the medical field that you require them to be your same religion until it comes to your mental health. So that's amazing. It's a form of anti-science in my opinion. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. But what wonderful services I will try, if I can remember how to do this, to put those links in this so that people can find that because that is amazing. There's, there's, yeah. Yeah. And I love, you know, it's funny because um, I, I'm curious, I'd be curious to see if anybody else in the comment section, if that's part of the process is finding people like Sam Harris and new age, um, not new age. Uh, um, no, that wasn't him. Uh, who's the secular Buddhist? Um, this, he has a, a podcast, the secular Buddhism. It's and TXLDS too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but what I loved about him was he gave me permission to not meditate <laughs> so, because I, I, you know, I bought the pillow. I have the Lotus pillow. I set it outside in the backyard. I took Sam Harris and his app out into the hot tub and I put it on. And then I listened to the secular Buddhism and they said, you can go for a walk. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for letting me move. I cannot sit still. It is impossible for me to sit still. Is it, is it Noah Rochetta? That yeah, name? that's who it is. That's who it is. Um, but that was beautiful. But I, I really, I really loved Sam. That was Sam was one of the first people that I turned to when I was going through my deconstruction. And of course, you know Christopher Hitchens and you know yeah, the, that. their whole that whole bit. You have to go through that whole. That's part of it. You know, somebody should make like a pyramid, right, for deconstruction of, of all the people we listen to. Mormon stories. Sam Harris, you know, I'm, I, I'm noting that down. What What is that? That's like the, uh, that's a great TikTok for sure. Uh, yeah. The pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's standard American diet, you know, for, uh, yeah, standard like, deconstruction. Your, your, pa yeah, exactly. Pathway through ex Mormonism, you know, <laughs> by, the, by the voices. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go yeah. gluten free. Just go, just go. Uh, yeah. 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 No, that would be, that would be excellent. Well, Gotta your, your it. humor is fabulous. So you'll come up with something. Yeah, I'll throw in a stab to MLMs or something in there too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Lindsay Hansen Park and and Brian, and their Sunstone History Channel, and the latest one that they just did where they're talking about violence in the church, and he just a little bit they referenced um, Tim Ballard, um, but it's just amazing. You know, when you start doing the historical similarities and how things haven't changed and the money and all of this kind of stuff. But now, but what you're saying is that history was not a part of your deconstruction. I mean, it, was, it was eventually, okay. it, wasn't the, it wasn't the catalyst. It wasn't what started. It's interesting. Yeah. For me, it wasn't that I found some scary doctrine that I hadn't heard of in the past. Those things did happen. They came later, Yeah. yeah. but the, uh, but I literally had uh, the best way I can describe it visually is that there was like a kaleidoscope in my brain for about three seconds after I had presented this, uh, I did a presentation. So the book that started at all wasn't even a wasn't even a religious book or, or anything. It was called "A More Beautiful Question" by Warren Berger, and basically the book it says you need to question the things that you think you know about the world in order to have good ideas at work or oh come up with new innovations uh, or inventions. Are you an inventor? You need to be questioning. Are you trying to innovate in your company? You need to be questioning. Are you an HR professional? You need to be questioning the the, the ways that your company is doing. No matter where you were, it was more of a business-oriented book. Excellent. And so I presented to my company, because I did work in training in HR at the time. And so I presented to my company this methodology of questioning. And I said, go and do this in your with your teams and in your meetings. Have a, have a meeting next week where you don't answer anything. You just ask questions. Like, I question, 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 question. And I like, showed why it's effective and all this stuff. And literally after the presentation, a friend of mine at my workplace walked up. By the way, the closer of the book and my presentation is to apply this to all things. Like yeah. it doesn't just apply at the work at workplace, right. apply it everywhere. So I closed my presentation with that. And afterwards he came up to this friend of mine came up to me and he said, loved it. That was great. He was being really nice. And then he said, and you're right. What you said at the end, we should apply this to everything. And I said, yeah, that's right. And he leaned in and said, except for the church, right? Oh. Right oh. into my ear. 
like, like was he like, was he being like, cynical like, or was he, he in my you know like he wasn't nibbling on my ear or anything. yeah 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 but he was like he got right in and he just really wanted to make a point about something like have you it was it was even if he'd have been like yeah except for the church right or something jokey whatever yeah, it might yeah. Not have happened the same way but he leaned in and he made sure that that message like sunk deeper and that was the kaleidoscope in the head moment because wow. I, I uh, my mind said my mind panicked i feel like and i i think i got a shot of adrenaline or something because i was i just for the first time i had this awakening moment where i was said to myself why have i never ever truly questioned the thing i say is most important and i think all the alarms went off in an instant oh my gosh so i had this moment where i was like and then I, then i couldn't escape it like none of the answers for why I hadn't questioned it made any sense because it, I was inside the walls of this questioning methodology. Right. Anytime I tried to think of a way out or my brain tried to create a way out, I was already like, oh, but everybody around me believes me or believes it just like us and my family. And we all believe it and we're all happy. Oh, that's all confirmation bias. And that doesn't actually mean it's true. I was just using the things I had taught in the presentation I just gave to like demonstrate to myself why my thinking was flawed. So, yeah, that's that was, amazing. That, then later on, of course, then I said, all right, I have to, I have to look into it. I have to question. So then I started listening to Bill real and listening to Mormon stories podcast and reading okay. books like crazy and saying, no, I'm not going to like, th there are no forbidden things to read CES letter. You're telling me not to read it. That means right. I'm going to read it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it was done and it was yeah. a fast track from there. Yeah. Yeah. That that's interesting because, you know, last week I had Dr. Matt Harris on my show and he said that's the uh, that's the tool that he uses in his classroom is when someone one of his students will say something he'll say well why do you think they did that why did they do that what, you know and it's just a continual questioning of well then why, why do you think they said that well then they did that why do you think they did that and the more you ask yourself that it, it's it's amazing and isn't it funny that children learn that way children start out by going why can't i do this and why isn't that and why is this? And that's where we started going. I don't know. Just yep. be quiet and eat your lunch, you know, but that's, that's what, how, yeah, that's how that's people learn. I, I understand why the prophets say, don't ask me why anymore. Yeah. After being a father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like after a few whys, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm done. Let's just go shoot hoops, buddy. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but actually I love that you said that because part, one of the tools in this, you know, set of of, uh, of tools that I presented and that this book presents is uh, why I don't remember if they called it this, but I called it this in the presentation. I called it Y5X. Um, if you're kind of trying to figure out a pathway for something and you don't really know or don't feel like you have direction, ask yourself why at least five times. Y5X. Let's go Y5X on this topic. So here's what we want to do. Why do we want to do it? And then someone says, okay, well, why do we want to do that? And then someone says an answer to that. Go at least five whys deep to try and get to the core reason why you're trying to do something. And yeah, when you do that with, don't read this thing. Yeah. Well, why shouldn't I read this thing? Right. Because this, well, right. why should I care about, why should I worry about that? Well, because you don't, and you get to the why. And eventually it's like, there's no good why. You know, yeah. I, I actually, this is pointing to, I should be doing this, right? Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, when, cause I remember my mom, I had just gotten, um, I had just learned about the gospel topics essays about three years ago. And we had invited our mom, my mom to our home for Christmas. And she 
unwillingly came, but you know, she felt obligated. And um, so I said something to her and she was a little concerned because Shane, you'll love this. Um, so when my husband and I moved down to Arizona, we, we bought our Harleys down here because you can actually ride your bike, you know, pretty much all year round in Arizona. And we came from Oregon where you can't. So, so I really got into skulls, you know, I just, uh -huh. I love the whole skull thing. And plus it was really popular about four or five years ago, skulls were everywhere. They were, uh -huh. they were on clothing and everything, you know? And so I, I don't put my skulls away at Halloween. And in fact, my, my grandkids were just here for Thanksgiving and they're like, no, that's your Halloween decorations up still. It's like, no, honey, that's wallpaper that stays up all the time, you know? Yeah. But my mom, so my mom came in and she's like, um, what's with all the skulls? And I was like, oh, I don't know, mom. It's just, it's just kind of a thing. I, I just really love them. Well, I don't see any pictures of Jesus. And, you know, and I'm like, well, actually that's a picture of Jesus over there. It's not your typical, you know, Deseret book surfer Jesus, but that's, uh, you know, Walter Rain's picture of Jesus. And yes, he was Hebrew and mom didn't even recognize him. But anyway, so I brought up. You should have told her one of the skulls is actually Jesus's skull. That skull right there. That's, that's Jesus' skull. Yeah, look. Yeah. You don't recognize him? Yeah. You don't recognize Jesus, mom? That's right. You don't know him? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get a picture of Mary with the skull, the Catholic thing, because that's, you know, the skull is such a, in other cultures, the skull is a love of your ancestors. It's, yeah. it's reminiscent for that, you know. It's a human but, symbol, right? It's just human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a cycle of life. And uh, so anyway, she, I brought up the gospel topics. Yesterday. She goes, what anti-Mormon stuff are you reading? And I said, mom, it's on LDS.org. And so I think it's, if somebody would have said, like, for example, when our kids were little, um, there were quite a few people in the, in the high school system that belonged to the Baptist church. And so they were doing the God story and that whole thing. And, and the coaches of my husband, my son's football, he was so frustrated because all the dang really good football players were these Mormon kids. And it was frustrating the heck out of him. It's like, come to my church. We'll show you the God makers and fix you guys, you know, fix you people all up. So I would have never, I would have never watched the God makers. I would have never gone to a Christian bookstore and said, do you have anything that's anti-Mormon? Right. Right. So, yeah. so what I read was, you know, like Greg Prince's book on the priesthood, Greg Prince's book on prop eight, you know, this, this very faithful Mormon man. And I thought this is safe. This is really safe, you know, because this is a stone good... rolling is a big starting point for a lot of people. Yes, rough stone rolling was my next one, and then you know, and so it's like I'm reading all the authorized church books, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So yeah. I think, like you were saying, when you just start asking yourself why, and then you go into church history where you're not reading anti-Mormon crazy stuff, that's where you start going. Now, why did they do that? Or why did I believe that? Or why do you think Joseph Smith really did that? Or why why were they um, really not liked in Missouri? Why, you know, is it really that they were, you know, pro against slavery or pro-slavery? Really? Was that really why? I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Just start asking yourself, why do you suppose the entire state was against them? That doesn't yeah. seem right, you know? And so, and so often it's just the simple print, the same principles that I learned as a Mormon, uh, ended up being once I just had that small switch ended up being the same things that drove me away, right? Like seeking truth, truth was important to me and truth continues to be important yes. to me. Absolutely. I have new commitments. Like my truth used to be the important part of truth used to be hold to the truth that I know. 
mm-hmm. before I knew better. And now I, now I know better, which truth, the seeking of truth now means don't hold on to anything and don't ever be certain about anything. And that's the more likely path to truth. Yeah. So be willing to let go and accept pain, accept that pain will come and discomfort will come. If you're truly committed to truth, that's what it takes. Not yeah. comfort and certainty. Like it's just a flip of all the things. But seeking truth is still the core principle. It's just that it's been flipped on its head because of this, because I was because I was duped, right? Yeah. I was, I was truly duped. Have yeah. you seen that bleed into other areas of your life because you've now learned how to ask why and to question? Have you found yourself questioning, like, you know, I, I've always been a little skeptical of the medical field. And, you know, my children were all born at a naturopath clinic, and I've always been very skeptical of anything like that. But even now I feel like I am so skeptical of everything. I mean, I can barely watch television at all anymore without going, I don't believe that. I, yeah. I got to I got to watch five other news channels before I believe that or I have to read something or I have to listen to so and so, you know, but I'm OK with that. I really am OK with that because I've seen the danger of just saying, well, I don't know. My doctor said, you know, here's a good example. My husband, we uh, retires and we have to go on Cobra insurance. We have, so we have to find all new doctors. So we're living in Oregon. We, we decide, well, let's try Cobra for 18 months until we get on Medicare or whatever. And so he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you're 65. So you need to start taking a, a daily baby aspirin. And my husband's like, okay. And he comes home and he says, well, the doctor says I need to take a, a baby aspirin every day. I said, why? He goes, well, cause I'm 65. And I said, but what does that have to do with it? You don't have heart conditions. You never had a heart problem. In fact, you have a little problem with gastric reflux. So I don't think you should be taking a baby aspirin every day. Yeah, yeah. Thank heavens he didn't do that. Cause then like what, three years later, they're like, don't take baby aspirin every day, you know? Yeah. But if you're the type of person that doesn't question authority, or you have a deep respect for, for authorities or people that have a lot of initials behind their name. And you don't say, why, why, why do you think I should take a baby aspirin every day? Yep. Um, you know, if you don't ask those questions in area, every area of your life. Yeah. I mean, look at the people, my husband, my, how many stories you probably have the story. You take your mom into the, to the doctor. She takes, you know, her whole bag of medication, sets it on the table. And the doctor goes, who told you to take this? And you're like, you did. And they're like, well, stop taking that today, you know? And uh, so you've got to be your own self-advocate and that's for every single area of your life. So that's, I love that you, that you, that that was the beginning was like this man saying, but don't question the church. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, wow. Talk about, you know, that's amazing. Now, that, that is one of the most like uh, like pivotal single moments in my life for sure, uh, because it, it sent me on that sent me on the path yeah. uh, towards all of that. And to, to answer your question, yeah, it's it's tricky because like society does rely upon some s- sort of like general trust in some systems, right? If we were all just out there like yeah. no 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 no, right? It does yeah. get crazy, and yeah. so it is yeah. a fine balance. So I guess generally I, I look towards data. You know, if if we can find yeah. a trusted source for data, and if data presents uh, uh, um, presents enough in a in a direction, then, then that's probably the direction I'm going to go. Of course, I'm going to question the sources. Of course, I'm going to question yeah. the methodology of, of yeah. collecting the data and and all of that. But you don't have time no. in, in the world to do that for every single thing. You know, yeah. and so it gets yeah. it gets 
tricky for sure. Uh, yeah. I want to spend. It's clear though that I have chosen that um, presenting information in a in a in a fun way for me on TikTok, so that people will maybe have those moments like I yeah. have. Where someone yeah. says, except for the church, right? Yeah. I want to create except for the church moments for people. Yeah. yeah. Well, or talk if a little. They, or if they're on that path, I want them to feel normal about it. And if they're yeah. like, and if they're choosing between crying and laughing about what they're going through, I want to show them it's okay to, to laugh, right? That, yeah. And that's, for me, like I grew up, um, it's going to get a little bit thick for a second, but but my, my dad passed away when I was 17 years old. I was a junior mm. in high school. I was on top of the world. Like I literally was having a Zac Efron high school moment, right? Where everything was just, was great. I was like captain of the football and basketball team. And, and like, I was popular and I had, I had so much going for me and I just seemed to be on top of like a high school experience world. And I came home one night and my dad was dead. Um, and I remember there was a moment, like one of the darkest moments of my life. My family, we all come together. We're all in our home. My extended family, they all come over. Their support, they come over. We're all, you know, going through that dark, dark, abysmally dark night. And then some of the fa extended family leaves or whatever, and it's around five o'clock in the morning. And my immediate family is is really all that's there. It's just like me, my siblings, my mom, and we're talking about memories of dad. And this is, you know, still, I mean, the flesh wound is wide open and we end up all together, like laughing about some of the things that he had done and silly things, dumb things he'd said, jokes he would crack, his dry humor. And we were laughing. So we had gone through all of this pain and turmoil. We'd all been bawling. And then we were, then we were laughing together, right? I remember the laughing to this day with my family that night more than I remember the crying. Um, and so it's built in me to like find a way, find that, find the laughable, find the absurdity in life mm -hmm. um, and laugh at that absurdity and have, and that is my way of like processing the painful things that life can can present. I used to feel when I was a believer, this is the last point I want to make on this. Um, but when I was a believer, I actually used to feel some guilt at laughing at those hard moments. Hmm. I don't remember if it was taught to me or if I just like that came myself. But I remember I remember thinking, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't joke about that. It's it's too sacred. It's too, right. you know, like. That's not a, that's not something we should be joking about. And since another gift of deconstruction is that I have learned that the absurdity the, the absurdism, right? I don't, I, I can joke about anything. I really, really can. As long as it doesn't attack or, or, or hurt other people. Right. But like, if it's me and my story and if it's the way I choose to process what I've been through, if it helps me and I'm not hurting anybody else, I am going to crack the joke. Mm -hmm. And I am going to, and I'm, and I feel better when I do it. Um, I'm always cautious and I always worry. And this is one thing that I, I'm every time I like send a video out there and my, and, and I know I'm joking about this stuff. I have to, I watch the video and ensure I'm trying to ensure I'm not, am I like making fun of a person here or am I just mm -hmm. beliefs? I really, really want to make sure that that is something that I main, I continue to do. 
I, my, my terms and my wording and everything, I, I'm joking about the beliefs that I used to hold and that others do hold, but I do think it's okay to criticize, mock, right. of, and tease beliefs because beliefs are not people. People are not beliefs. Right. You can be a great person and have really bad beliefs. Right. And so I try to always separate those two. Isn't that funny that people can separate the, and again, I think it's because it's been fed, spoon fed to them. They can separate, hate the sin, but don't, but love the sinner. Or, you know, we love, we love the LBGTQ, but we want you to live in misery and, and alone for the rest of your life, because, but we love you. And yeah. we understand that you have a severe disability. We all have disabilities and this is your disability. And, you know, the whole, the whole rhetoric that they throw out. But when you say something about, you know, like, well, I love, I'm making fun of the system. I'm not making fun of the people. The people are beautiful people. They're beautiful people. Yeah. And like you say, um, opportunities to serve and, and uh, being put together with a, uh, you know, I think the ministering sister thing had only been around a couple of years before I left. But when I was put with a visiting teaching companion that I had absolutely nothing in common with, but it forced me to get to know somebody that I wouldn't have gotten to know in the ward. Uh, and we went and visited someone that I would have never gotten to know in the ward. What a beautiful program that is. And so to be able to do that and then say, but this is the way the system works. These are some things that are truly scary and and maybe a little illegal, actually, yeah. um, and very hurtful and yeah. damaging. And so when when you're talking about that on your TikTok, you're talking about a system of beliefs that can really be hurtful to people. You're not talking about people. And and so it, it is funny when you when I, that example that I but then the comeback is a personal hyperbolic comeback about you personally. And like you were saying about how this is your whole personality, you're so angry and, and you know, that whole thing. So it, it's so true. If we can't look at the system and go, oh my gosh, that was, you know, just even compare it to something as simple as Norman Lear just died, right? So everybody's talking about All in the Family and the Jeffersons and all the shows that he had a part of and how those shows probably couldn't be made today because everybody's so sensitive and very conscious of things like that. But they laugh. They talk about, oh my gosh, can you believe the things we used to say? And and it needs to, you know, sometimes I think the church needs to be looked at that same way. Can you believe we used to teach that? Can you believe yeah. we used to tell families? Can you believe that we're still telling families that you will have an empty chair at the table? You know, I don't know whose table we're sitting at. I think it's Greg Prince that says, whose Thanksgiving table are we sitting at where there's an empty chair, you know, yes. in the celestial kingdom? But, you know, or President Nelson's you know, newest thing about our our um, uh, Ken bodies or Barbie and Ken, you know, if you're not in the celestial kingdom, you'll have oh, no genitals. Yeah. yeah, it's smoothie. You know, I mean, and it's like, it's like, it's 2023. Are we really bringing that back up again? If you can't laugh about that yeah. and go, no. No fascinating thing about the way that um, that uh, Russ Nelson brought that up is um, he can't say, he can't say it outright. Yeah. Like like back in whenever it was in the 50s or 60s when when it was like taught outright in um, uh, which prophet's book was it in? Uh, anyway, it was way more direct. 
Yeah. Like, I think the I think the the wording was something like will will neither be male or female in gender or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. It was pretty yeah. specific. Like they yeah. they were saying they were talking about the genitalia. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Today, so so Russ Nelson comes from that. Right. He was raised in that. That's probably yeah. his core belief. Yeah. But he even as the prophet knows he can't say it directly. So yeah. he has to speak in a code. Yeah. Where only those who know what he's talking about will be like, yeah. oh, I remember that. Yeah. But then those who didn't ever hear that will be like, okay, we'll have bodies that are whatever, whatever that means, right? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. That's a version. I know it's just him trying to do his best with this world that he lives in yeah. as a prophet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but like it's also when you look at it from you know the critic side of it would say this is kind of a form of gaslighting because what you're doing is you're saying words that are carefully placed so that those people, the older generation who like were taught that they can hold on to that belief and yeah. continue smooth sailing with it. You don't have to disrupt anything there with their beliefs, you know, or rattle yeah. that. And then those who don't know what you're talking about, but doesn't allude to it strongly enough that they can just kind of say like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Our bodies, you know, but they're not yeah. going to know specifically yeah. what's being talked about. Yeah. It's you know, it's funny. I found an old well, it's a new YouTube, but it's an old movie that was made when Spencer, Spencer W. Kimball was the prophet. And it was with Ed Decker, who's the God maker guy, and another evangelical. And they were having a fake debate. And they were pretending that the, the one Ed Decker was the Mormon missionary that knocked on this guy's door. And this guy was the evangelical guy. And they were having this debate back and forth. And the best thing about it was because this was back in Spencer Kimball's day, they were bringing up, I'm going to be a God. I'm going to have my own planet. I mean, they were going through everything that's being denied. We never said that. We never told you you were going to live. You know, we never told you that you wouldn't have a full genitalia if you weren't in the celestial kingdom. We never taught you that. And here's this YouTube where he's saying, but don't you understand that we will all be gods? And the evangelical saying, no, it says in Romans that there is only one God. Well, no, no, no. You know, and then they're going on and they're saying, so it's like, you just give it up. Please try yeah. to stop denying it, you know super hard shift what the church is trying to do right now because yeah. from my view what i see the church trying to do is it's tr trying really hard to blend into mainstream christianity yes and i'm seeing a lot more of the so i was in i was chatting with a relative of mine about a year ago um, who's a very firm tbm hard hard believer and um he was he was referencing the bible before the book of mormon he mm. was defending the bible uh, before the Book of Mormon, which I was fascinated by because I grew up in a version of Mormonism that said, look to the Book of Mormon first because it yeah. clarifies the Bible. Yes. The Bible is yeah. problematic. That's why we have the Book of Mormon to exactly. clarify the issues over there. There's all that confusion with all of Christianity. Like we got it clear because God gave us a second set of scriptures that will clarify all the confusion that's over in the Bible. But I'm yeah. seeing like current TBMs that are looking to the Bible and going and defending the Bible, like almost as first position these days. Have you experienced yep. that as well? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny because I went to the, the um, faith matters conference that they had up in uh, Salt Lake uh, in, back in October uh, with my husband. And um, I was just like, I don't, it did. I, where am I? This is not, this isn't, you guys are Mormons. I, I, are you sure? Are you sure you're Mormon? I mean, the music, the, you know, the verbiage, the narrative. I thought I was back in Texas at Joel Olstein's church. It was like, what is happening? And I was listening to a couple little boys that have a podcast and, and uh, you know, I wanted to count how many times they said, awesome. I think the church should 
copyright awesome. It's like, that is an LDS term. You cannot use that unless you're a Mormon. It's like, it was so awesome. And anyway, and they were just rattling off this, you know, there's 600, you know, in the Book of Mormon, Jesus is mentioned over 600 times. And, you know, Jesus is just another testament of Jesus, or the Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, in my days in the church, I don't think we even talked about Jesus Christ. I, I couldn't even have told you, you know, like when, now that I've been, you know, under Bart Ehrman's tutelage and everything else, I'm like, oh, so that's who Paul was. Oh, OK. So what's this Corinthians thing? I mean, we didn't everything was out of the Book of Mormon. You know, everything. Yeah. Then it was Nephi. It was, you know, Amoni. It was all of that. It was never, never biblical that we studied. So Bart Ehrman is a Bible scholar, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a New Testament scholar. Yeah. Um, so you got your Bart Ehrman's, you got your Richard Rohr's, and then like yeah. Dan McClellan. Have you seen, oh. like, I mean, Dan McClellan's just blowing up, right? Like, yeah. and, yeah. and, and the fascinating thing there is that I, he's, I don't even know where he is with belief, which, and it's no big deal because what yeah. he's doing is so important because, yeah. because he, he is just taking the Bible and he's breaking it down and he understands the, the, the languages and the sort. And, and you know, it's just, it's like no nonsense. Like, Hey guys, here's this, you know, like, it's not that it's this, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. And no, it's so, so great. I love how straightforward he is. Yeah. And, and I will, I have shared his stuff with other people where I know that my believing audience will see it. And it, I just freaking love it. So, yeah. Um, one of the things like in the same conversation that I noticed that it was really fascinating. So as I'm noticing that this person I'm engaged with is uh, talking more about the Bible and defending the Bible, he's making very juvenile claims about the Bible, like yeah. the kinds of claims that maybe Christianity was making 10, 15, 20 plus years ago, where they're saying that everything in the Bible is absolutely true. Yeah. Right. The Bible yeah has no evidence against it or like the Bible is the ultimate source of, and I'm seeing these kinds of defenses for the Bible from some of these like Mormons who are shifting over towards the Bible as we try yeah. to like, to try to meld, uh, try to blend in with mainstream Christianity. Right. And I'm like, what is this going to create when they start running up against, when they start finding the Richard Rohrs, the Bart Ehrmans, the Dan McClellans that, you know, and yeah. they realize, Oh, wait, none of it is stable. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, he's beautiful. So when you, where, where are you? Cause you mentioned you had siblings. Um, how many siblings do you have and where do you fall as far as membership in the church? Are you the black sheep of the family? Uh, there's seven children. I, yep. I've got a classic small town Mormon family. Yeah. Um, where are you? I, I am sixth of seven. Oh my gosh. The penultimate. And I was, I was the youngest child for or five years. We had sort of a late comer. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. I tell this all the time. Yeah. I got to be the last for five years. That was long enough to sort of establish all the norms of the last child. Yeah. So I still got spoiled and everything like I did the last child. Even when the last child came along, I still kind of continue to get treated like a last child. Yeah. Um, but uh, so no, it's, actually the last child, he sort of faded away from um, attendance and activity in high school. Oh, and this is actually a really fascinating story that goes to show like how strong the psychology is to like indoctrination, right? Because right. he faded away and we all knew it. And the other siblings, we all stayed solid and we never really ever talked about it. I never asked him about it. 
there were some moments where I look back and I, once I had deconstructed myself, I sat down with him and I told, I apologized just like I was crying because I was so sorry for the ways that I judged him. Mm. And there were some specific moments in his younger years where I just felt, I felt a lot of like guilt for the way that I was because of the worldview that I had at the time. And I was so another gift of deconstruction was to be able to sit down with my sibling that I had judged so hard. And so just wrongfully, the, my, my actions weren't fair to him because I was in this believing space and I thought I knew with certainty the way things would go. Mm -hmm. And he was doing these things that I that disagreed with that. Yeah. And so I told him, I, I told him, sorry. And this was a really big eye-opening moment to me. I said, I think I was really hard and really judgmental on you. And I'm really sorry. And you know how you expect when you say something like that, you, you expect in your head, you, you have these predictions on what might be the response right. with a sorry. You, you have this thought in your mind that is like, maybe they'll say it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay. I understand why or whatever. And he just looked at me and he said, yeah, you were. Mm -hmm. And it was fair. Like he, he deserved to say that he deserved to let me know. And it, it just cut, made it cut even deeper. Right. Like, and I was that much more sorry, but I'm, that's another gift of deconstruction to be able to have that all removed from our relationship, you know, and be able to put in our past and move forward in a, in a new space. So. Yeah. You know, the sad, saddest thing is we have, uh, we have six children and I don't regret anything as a mother that I did as far as bringing them up parenting them in general, my regrets are all around what I did to them because of the church. And for example, our, our second son, we, I think I mentioned this once before he was going to Oregon state, loving it, had plans on getting his bachelor in international studies. And, um, and, but we we were concerned because he wasn't going to church. Good kid following all the rules, good kid, but he wasn't going to church. And so we gave him an ultimatum. You, you either go back to church or we're not going to pay for your schooling anymore. Uh, or you can go to BYU. If you want to go to BYU, then we'll continue to pay for your schooling. And so he went to BYU be, so that we would continue to pay for it. And he had to switch his major over to psychology because his credits didn't transfer. I didn't understand the quarter program versus the semester program. I didn't understand how that how many credits he lost by transferring school. And I, to this day, I cannot believe I did that to him. And I did it just because I thought that if he went to BYU, he would get active in the church and go on a mission. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, re, I am so, if I could go back and do anything, you know, <clears throat> and then I have my other son that I, you know, when he got married and they started having babies, they decided, well, maybe we should find a church. And so they decided, well, let's try the Mormon church out. And so she got baptized and I was like, you got to go to the temple. You got to go to the temple. We got to get you to the temple. And <clears throat> so they had uh, her baby came early and I am rushing them to the temple. The baby's like a week old. And I'm like, you got to go to the temple. you got to go to the temple. And this poor girl that just joined the church is like, what the heck is, you know, and it was all because of this indoctrination that I had been, you got to get these babies, you know, yep. sealed to you. And just, it's just insanity. And thank heavens. I mean, but like you, Sean, my one son said, you know, when you left the church, I was a little resentful because of uh, you dragged us to church every Sunday and you made us do this and you made us do that. And now you're like, Oh, never mind. You 
you know? And I was like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Yep. It's hard. It's, um, it's next step, next step thinking, next step doctrine. Like yeah. the Mormon church has done a remarkable job on creating the pathway for like your righteousness. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, there is a next step, right? So to, to continue to feel that progress, there is a next step in place. When I believed that was a beautiful thing. And, and I, I, I thrived on having a clear path and an easy path. It was easy. It was easy. It was never hard for me to obey the word of wisdom, to obey yeah. the law of chastity, to do it. Those were all things where I was like, because I know that this whole thing is true and yeah. I know what comes as a reward in the next life. Right. This is easy. I was very obedient. I was good for the most part. I made mistakes like everyone, of course, but yeah. like very good. I was a very good Mormon. <laughs> I followed those paths and I loved it. And it was easy. And it, it walking away from Mormonism was a much harder decision than, than what the next decision would have been in yeah. my path of, of, of belief if I had remained locked in to Mormonism. So people who throw out the, oh, you're just taking the easy path. Mm-hmm. They, I understand why they say it, right? but they haven't empathetically thought of that very hard. Right. Right. Because especially when you're talking to someone who loves and is good in the church and wants to be, because the next step is laid out for you. So when you, you know, want the next step for your loved ones, yeah. that's understandable. And when you yeah. put incentives in front of them in order to take that right next step, yeah. it's because the certainty in your mind is there and this yeah. is the right thing to do. So it's all justified. So yeah. it's to like, it's easy for me to like, look back and forgive myself for the things that I did that I see as wrong now. Right. It's just when I get to those moments and it, like, like with my brother where I'm trying to heal it, where, and I feel the, when I, I feel the pain that it caused them, those are the hardest moments for me. Yeah. Yeah. So on your TikTok, like I said, you have a way of, of throwing things out with just the little bit of cynicism that just, you can't help but laugh at it. What, what's been like, which one of your posts have you gotten the most either kickback from or the most like, good job, Shane, you know? Um, oh, that's a great question. Maybe. Did you, have, have you gotten any feedback off the one where you said run away but if you still want to stay, then what about this, this, this? And if not, run away. Because <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones. The runaway post um, was for sure. I got I got a lot of people who 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 pushed back on that. But I also got for the first time. I think the I think the message that the, the was shared there was it reached outside of the just the Mormon world, right? Uh-huh. Where I think I got a lot of um, of evangelicals, I got a lot of oh, XJ dubs. I got a lot of just general, just Christians in general, people who had deconstructed their high demand religions of all sorts, who reached out to me and said, "This is the same pattern." Like, thanks for posting this because this relates to our story over here as well. Right. And so I think I started to, I think the network started to grow to be outside of of ex Mormonism. There, more recently. Uh, the video where, um, and this one just like came together late at night, one night. Um, and I had done actually two different like takes on it and they just didn't feel right. I was almost going to post. And then I was like, no, I got to scrap something There's something more that it needed. And it was the, um, 
go when I go grab my scriptures and I like thumb to the back of the, of the back of my scriptures and I left myself a personal note and the personal notes says, yes. Yeah. So that, that one right there, it came together in like, I had three different ideas that sort of finally led up to that final idea. Um, and the way it came together and the way that the music like played into that one, it was one of those where I was just like, man, if I was a believer, I would have thought this was inspired by God. It was no God, right? Like I, I it was a no God experience, yeah. <laughs> but everything just kind of fell in. Right. And when I finally like published that thing, I was, and I had the feedback that I got from it. Um, I felt like that one was, was just, I had a lot of fun with that one. And I've had a, like, once again, outside of Mormonism, people are saying like, this is, I'm, I might do this to my scriptures. This is so real because it saying like looking back at those scriptures doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to induce a trauma response. Right. If we can look back and see all the notes that we used to take and, and all of the, all of the certainty comment, like, cause when I look through my old scriptures, I, I'm seeing things that I wrote and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, holy yeah. cow, how deep in was I? Yeah. And it can make you go into a place where it's like, this is, this is dark. This is hard. Like the world is, the world is against us all. Like this is really, and you can start, to, I think Brit, um, uh, Brit Hartley, you know, she talks about this whole like cycle that you can get into, like, right. It really sucks, you know? But if we can, if we can shift the thinking then and be able to laugh at it. And so that note in the back of the scriptures that says, you used to believe all this shit. So like, let's laugh about that. And I, I've, I progressed, I'm doing better now because I don't believe all of that. And so that's a good thing. Right. And so it makes me feel better. And I love some of the comments here are uh, some of the favorites that people are commenting are the ones where you're saying things to say, to a Mormon to freak them out. You know, it's like when they say, Hey, uh, hi, how you doing? You just say, what is wanted? <laughs> you know, that thing. Or I, this is what I say to my husband all the time. He'll say something and I'll say, I shall go down, you know? <laughs> and then he just kind of shakes his head. Yeah. The how to troll a Mormon. That's been a fun one. Yeah. Those are, those are fun. And I, and I also love the one where that, where you said, uh, what is, what is something that you have memorized that is absolutely useless and you did the whole veil ceremony. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. and it was so funny because right away I was like, Eve, having been good and faithful, wishes to speak to the Lord. You know Lord the on behalf of. Yeah. Everyone knows the next lines. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you said, well, I might be able to get in. And so I said to my husband, I said, you know, I think I might be able to sneak in, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's like I don't think so. <laughs> but you, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what my favorite scripture is, and I love and I used to do this when the, the sister missionaries would come over and they'd say, "Well, what's your what's your favorite scripture?" And I said, "This is my favorite scripture. It's Alma chapter 50, and it's uh, verses um, 29, 30, and 31st, and, and she says, uh, "Therefore, Morianton put it into their hearts that they should flee to the land which was northward." which was covered with large bodies of water and take possession of the land. And behold, they would have carried this plan into effect, which would have been a cause to have been lamented. But behold, Morantan, being a man of much passion, therefore he was angry with one of his maidservants and he fell upon her and beat her much. And it came to pass that she fled and came over to the camp of Moroni and told Moroni all the things concerning the matter and also concerning their inter intentions to flee into the land northward. And I was like, I love that scripture. See, it was, it was a woman. It was a woman that just threw the whole thing out. And if it wouldn't have been for her, you know, Moroni wouldn't have had a chance, you know? Yep, exactly. This, Poor little 19 year old missionaries are like, where did you find that? 
I'm like, it's in the book of, it's in, it's in Elma. It's my favorite scripture. That's but, awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you're, you're, uh, what are some of the other favorites that you've done on so your TikTok? I do tend to like do series more than I'll, I'll hop on a series for a minute and I'll have the ideas that just are kind of flowing from that series. And so I, um, I really enjoyed the, um, the say here series while I was really deep into the say here stuff. So basically it's the, it's the series where a Mormon says something and an ex Mormon hears this oh. or an ex Mormon says this, uh, and the Mormon hears this. Ah. What that did was it was a really healthy moment for me through all of my content um, to like reflect on it was it was an empathetic thing for me. And there were times when, yeah, I was trying to take I was trying to trying to take funny moments in like we say that. So someone says who's ex-Mormon, they say something like, I love coffee and a believing Mormon who has known you their whole life. You know, like my sibling hears me say that and they hear. Satan got me to try coffee and yeah. now I drink it all the time and, uh, and I can't get back and now I don't feel worthy to come to church. And so that's why I don't believe, you know, or, yeah. or, but I still really believe it, but I can't come because of the guilt. Yeah. Right? yeah. I don't even remember the exact words, but that's actually one of them. Right. Yeah. And so it's these things where we, we, and we do it both in both directions, right. When, when, a when a believing Mormon says something like, um, that's when faith becomes important. An ex Mormon hears, that's when evidence stops being important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And so it was just like all of these things that like where we miss each other, oops, where we miss each other in these conversations because we're not really trying to build bridges because the human brain just wants to like protect itself and yeah. stay in its comfortable, in its comfortable place. We don't hear what people say. No. And so um, that series was one of the one is just a really fun one to do. I haven't done one on that one for a while. Yeah. Um, that series was very fun, but it was also, I would sometimes do this and see the humor in it. I would post it and then I watch it and I would cry afterwards. Oh. It's really kind of like, it's really sad too. Yeah. That we, that we do this, that we can, that we don't hear people when they try and say their stories. And instead our brain is like filtering it to protect us rather yeah. than to hear them. Right. Yeah. And it's, and like I say, it's not like, but what was good about that one was, was almost bridge building because um, it goes both ways. Ex-Mormons do it to the Mormons that try to say their things too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and, and I do, and I do love, you know, that you have to be very careful. Tell me if you found this when you were doing your, your, your peer uh, support that, um, to find a new community doesn't turn into just trauma bonding that, you know, that your new community is not just, and, you know, a circle of people sitting in a therapy session, just come on a loop of just anger and frustration and, and, um, just sadness, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, how did you deal with that? Um, yeah, in the, the, in the support sessions that we would do, sometimes the conversation would just flow and, those were like the magical moments because everyone was sharing their experience. And mm. uh, the probably the best thing that came out overall, if I were to say during my three years that I that I offered that monthly support session, um, I think the overarching theme was we all have our own unique experiences, but when we pull away to the high level, there's also the Venn diagram 
is is very very big and so mm. it's really fun to share those unique things but in the when it comes to religion and deconstructing especially from high demand religion mm -hmm. it's the same things this and this comes back to human psychology right it's the same things with just different labels yeah right like we have the word of wisdom and we have our chastity rules and all of that and then if you talk to someone who came from um, Jehovah's Witnesses, they are going to say, we had this and, mm -hmm. and this, and they are very close to the same. And so right. you become instant, you do trauma bond, right? Because, yeah. Because you can relate so well together, but then you still have your like little details that are fascinating for everybody to listen to. Like, oh, so it was different. Tell me about those differences. Mm. Relatable. And then you go and you can just really and it's just fascinating to hear people out with the small differences that are found in the weeds and hearing their beautiful stories yeah feel valid too at the same time everyone gets validated that's so true i i was listening to a podcast the other day and i, I don't even remember who it was but it was an evangelical that lost his um uh belief in christ and and um it was interesting to hear him say exactly what LDS people say was like, people would say to me, well, you, you never really had a testimony. You really never did study your scriptures. And he was a pastor and he had gone to school, he had, you know, and he had done all the training he said. And so it's like, isn't that funny? Or, or I remember even my husband, when, when I first, you know, started deconstructing and finally said, I'm done with all this. And he said, have you been reading your scriptures? Mm -hmm. And I said, what scriptures would you suggest I read? I mean, I don't understand what that, you know, that's just such a blanket statement. It's like, I don't believe the Book of Mormon was, is a true history of people that came to the United States from Jerusalem. So why would I read that? You know? And I said, but I have listened to many hours of Bart Ehrman, you know? So if you want to count that, I guess I, I'm getting pretty knowledgeable about the New Testament that I never even understood. So I guess I'm kind of reading my scriptures, but I, I even got a new version of the of the Bible, you know? It's yeah, like, exactly. So yeah, I am, but I don't know if that's the scriptures you want me to be reading. But yeah, so when you can, and that would be the important thing is just to listen to other people from other high demand religions going through the exact same thing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, that was one of the beautiful things about that that role, um, the volunteering that I, that I did over there with RFR, for sure. Yeah. The purity culture is rampant throughout, you know, all of the high demand religions. And and there's, uh, you know, patriarchy is strong with, uh, you know, in a lot of the Abrahamic religions. So that we have a lot of things in common. We for just sure. have our own special quirkiness. We just have so, our ways that we can say that ours is more true than theirs or ours is truth and theirs is just like partial truths. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Well, this has just been absolutely fabulous. I've just enjoyed, you know, and I'm I'll ask, I'm gonna tell everybody, um, I'm gonna get all the references that you gave me and so that afterwards I can post them somewhere. Um, now that I do this live, I'm I'm always confused at how I go back and add all of this fun stuff. I think I can do it on my podcast when I just put this in the audio. I can definitely add all of that on there. So I'll I'll get all those references that you gave me so that I can link those up in the uh yeah. audible that sounds at great. least yeah so this is so everyone go to at shane underscore deconstructs at uh tiktok and um shane do you have anything to say about them trying to close down tiktok and claiming that china's taking us over how do you feel about that oh i don't know <laughs> it's um it seems to be like a just a recycling uh narrative but it seems to be mostly political 
um, theater right now. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't see any like concern for it just yet. If it does happen, then huh, whatever. You know, yeah. I think there are. I think I've heard from others that there are ways that you can back up all of your content so that if that happens, then I could just move over to another platform. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I would cross that bridge when I when I when I get there. I yeah. TikTok for me is. Um, one, of course, it's a community creating um, platform, and, and that is my primary purpose. And it remains my primary purpose to offer support to people who are deconstructing their high demand religions, Mormonism, or anything else. Or maybe it's not more. Maybe it's not a religion. Maybe it's some sort of other unhealthy high demand institution that uh, you ha are escaping. And uh, where I'm creating a community, I want to create a community where people can. It, it has ended up that my channel has been a the approach is let's laugh about this yeah. uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so that continues to be my main goal in what I do over at TikTok, uh, mental health for, for others. Um, a, a lot, I, people reach out to me all the time and ask for like resources or whatever. I will immediately say I'm not a mental health professional, but yes, yeah. here's a list of resources and places you can go. And those are the victory moments for me. The, the biggest victory moments for me are when people reach out, they DM me because my DMs are open on, mm -hmm. on TikTok mm -hmm. and they say, and they say something like that, like, Hey, I just like started learning all this stuff, found your channel. Um, and I, I'm wondering if you could help me with some resources and of Aww. course the resources. And then just this may be, uh, I don't know if this is selfish or not, but the even it's next level sweet when it's someone that I love or someone that's a family member and I, I, I tell this story on one of my TikToks out there, but when you get that like sibling that you had no idea or, or mm -hmm. like, um, or nephew or niece or cousin or whatever, and they, 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 you get a message from them on TikTok or even like a former neighbor that used to be in the ward. Right. And they're like, Hey, I hopped on TikTok to find community and you were the first video it showed me. Oh that, my God! That really happened to me once. This was a cousin, right? And first, you were the first one. It's like the TikTok algorithm is powerful, and wow. so and so. I'm here to utilize the power of that algorithm to right. find people who are looking for support, and it's doing a great job so far. So it's a platform I'm happy with overall. It does have its issues, of course. It's got yeah. some serious issues, but it's doing a pretty good job for, for my purposes. It really is. It's one of the, it's one of the most learning social media channels. I feel, I feel as though, you know, I, I listen to a lot of political people on there and there's health doctors on there that I listen to. It's not just a, Hey, this is our family in the Bermuda, you know, we're on vacation. Here we are in Disneyland. And, you know, and that's pretty much what Facebook, you know, has kind of turned into. Yeah. But um, so I'm getting a lot of comments are talking about advertisements. I did not know how that happened, but Interesting. I'd love to know what are we advertising one in the middle of our conversation, Shane? Oh, Interesting. Weird. Yeah. I'll have to see what YouTube's doing. But um, I did not know that they could do that on a live thing. So thanks, Heather. Thanks for pointing that out. But no, that's uh, that's it's very interesting that the people that you're reaching and it's frustrating with the algorithms the way they are. I, I've almost gotten to the point where I just sweep past all of these media specialists that are telling you how to get more likes and how, you know, how many yeah, times you should do your reels. TikTok is making a huge push for uh, like TikTok shop and everything right now. Yeah. And it has definitely become, it used to be. So I got on TikTok in like 2021 
and just started lurking. I was a pure lurker for about a year. I was, I followed only and had a couple of followers or whatever. And then I made the conscious decision to start to be, to start to create content, to create the right. for support. Right. And that was about October of last year of 2022. So it's only, it's been a little over a year. Um, and from when I started doing, started like doing activity on TikTok. Uh, everything was like, I would say one out of seven or eight, maybe even 10 was like one of these promotional or, or whatever's from TikTok or something. Uh. And now I feel like it's two out of five that are real and three out of five are like ticked our sponsored TikTok shop pushes and stuff like that. Yeah. It is yeah. a little bit, it is getting a little bit annoying right now. And so, yeah. Yeah. I know everybody's talking about monetizing and I'm kind of like, I don't know. I just got on it for the education. So um, I'm just ignoring all of it and just doing what I enjoy doing. And I think uh, what I love about some of the people that I follow, especially in my platform, you know, my goal is to reach a lot of women. I don't, there's not a lot of voices out the women's voices out there, especially in my demographics. And I think it's because uh, I, I love Britt Hartley. And one of the things that she pointed out was, um, why do we, why do we want more women speakers in conference so that they can just echo uh, and quote the men, because that's yeah, all they're going to do yeah. because, you know, yeah, these are women that get their power through association. If they're carrying the water for the patriarchy, because that's their only way to get any kind of power recognition. And so I, I feel as though my demographic is older women that have raised their children. They've raised their grandchildren. They're happy with their spouse and they don't believe in the church anymore, but they're not going to cause any problems. They're just going to go along with it because it's, you know, it's, we're, we're too old to do this. And, and so I'm just trying to reach women that are like, you know what, you're not too old to find out who you are and to find out, you know, if you have any life left, please live it your best, you know? And um, so that's, that's my whole goal. I don't care about all the other stuff. And, and, uh, but you know, it's like I said, I, I want to laugh too. And I think we should do a thing on how long it took people to actually throw their garments out. Like yeah. I had the bag, I had the bag up in the top of the closet for about a year. I was like, did I think I was going to go back? I don't know. Yeah, you know? Exactly. So but, Renee, I, I, I had the same sort of experience and this is like a huge kick myself moment because I like just held on to them. It was actually pretty easy for me to like stop wearing them. Yeah. Once I didn't believe anymore, I was like, I'm gonna stop wearing those because yeah, they suck. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a real thing for me. Like I went through so I tried so many different types of underwear. It was exciting for me. I was like, oh man, in high school I used to be a tidy whitey guy. So let's give it a try, right? Like, am I still a tidy whitey guy? And I'm like, nah, I don't think I'm a tidy whitey guy anymore. Yeah. Boxers, I was like, no. But there, there's yeah. I, maybe I should make a TikTok and like just recommend bot because I went yeah. any. But anyway, yeah. Enough yeah, talk you have, enough you have the, about the underwear. Yeah, you have the hefty bag, and you're like. Walking out to the garbage. No, no, no. I better yeah, yeah. put it so back I, in the closet and then take it back out. Like, no, no, no. And put it back in the closet. You know? I love that you have in a hefty bag. So <laughs> mine, were, mine were in a drawer. Like there was like two specific drawers that were like for the garments. Right. And I just like left them there and they were in those drawers and they kept taking up drawer space. And I was like, I got these. I, I could use that drawer space. So anyway, so <laughs> finally I was like, okay. And when I did it, I literally just took my my drawer. You know, you can just kind of do the thing where you get the drawer out of the, the yeah, the, yeah, the pull it out. Yeah, and, then, and I walked outside, and I was like, oh, I got to my garbage bin, opened it up, and went to dump them in, and realized 
this is a great video moment. Oh. So I so I pulled out my phone. <laughs> this is years before I was on TikTok, right? Yeah. So I pulled out my phone and I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this on record, you know? And so I held my phone, did the whole selfie thing, and I'm holding up my drawer with the other, you know, and I'm dumping it in and I totally dump it in. And I got me dumping a drawer of garments into the outside garbage bin where it's down there with like pizza boxes and all the nasty stuff or whatever, you know? And that was so cathartic because I'm like, I used to, maybe one of the reasons why I held on to them forever is because I thought I should at least, you know, cut the markings out. Like That's what I was just going to say. Right? Did you think, oh, I should cut the markings out and burn them or whatever? Yeah, it's this like anchor. Cause you're like, ah, oh, when am I going to find time to like cut yeah. the markings out and burn my garments, you know, like, yeah. And so I didn't ever, yeah. And so finally I was just like, what the f am I thinking? Like, just go throw those stupid things away, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I did it and I dumped it and I got it on film and everything and I watched that. And then I was so scared that like uh, someone in my family or whatever would like see that I filmed that. I was kind of oh, insecure about that. Yeah. That I put it into like sort of a, a hidden space, a hidden place in my phone or whatever, right? Yeah. And about a year ago, I was like, oh my gosh. I did that. I got that on film. I was like, sweet. That'll be great content. Where is it? Yeah. I can't find it. I can't. You find can't it. find it. Oh, oh find it. So if I get it, I mean, I might have to recreate it or something. Maybe I'll do another recreation video or something, but like yeah. I, um, every now and then I'll be like, where is that? And I'll go and like try yeah. and dig and find it again because go it was scrolling deep. through the years. Oh yeah. yes. I'm doing that all the time. And I'm, yeah. So anyway. oh, that's funny. So if you yeah. ever, if you ever see me do that video, yeah. And, then you know the backstory on it. I do. I do. Well, this has just been so great. Thank you so much for giving us your Sunday evening. I, I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. And uh, again, everyone, Shane underscore deconstructs, go and watch his TikTok. Um, uh, someone on the comments asked about um, Dan McClellan. He doesn't have a podcast, but he has, oh, he does. He has a YouTube. He started a podcast on YouTube. Four or five months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Data over dogma. And but big TikTok, uh, so you can find him on on YouTube, Dad Over Dogma, and then he's also yeah, he's, on Instagram and Facebook. He's on Instagram, and Facebook, TikTok. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, I definitely recommend Dan McClellan's um, content because he just sets the record straight. I've sent so yeah. many videos to him when people are talking about, oh, is this a paganism or a pagan ritual? Or is yeah, this the Christmas pagan thing. Yeah, like, all, and I, he set me straight on a few. Like, I yeah. think. To think that Easter was was a pagan, and yeah, yeah, he's like, nope, this is a common misunderstanding. It's actually, yeah. you know, and so yeah, there's there's some good stuff there. He's corrected me on a lot of assumptions that I got from ex Mormonism, from like ex Mormon culture, and I was like, yeah, that's got to be the way it is. And he corrected me, and he showed me the data for it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm shifting that back. So it's really good, but but by no means is he out there defending Mormonism, which is crazy, no. right? No. He, he worked at the he's a biblical scholar forever. he's a biblical scholar yeah. and he's like look my beliefs are a second are a different thing and he doesn't even share his beliefs with his audience he's like because it doesn't matter because data and belief are two different things and yeah. so it's really really great content yeah it's excellent it's excellent and so are so is yours oh, so yes you. someone just asked uh no he's on he's primarily on tiktok and he you can find him on instagram and facebook but those are primarily personal social medias but he'll respond if you dm him he'll he'll answer you back so yeah yeah you can and if you find me on facebook i'm happy to connect it's no big That's deal perfect yeah That's if you good. just look up shane larson that the algorithms are probably going to like connect you if you're in any way connected to like the ex-mormon universe then you can find me there and on instagram and sure i'll i'll 
I'm happy to connect there, but I don't really create content, um, deconstruction content over there on right. Facebook. I will create, I'll do an occasional post. That's just kind of like light thinking, whatever people there mostly know where I am. I've done a slow rebrand over there and people, people know that I am like, but I don't push the envelope too hard over there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. Thank you once again. I'm sure we'll be doing this again. And when you, when you uh, tag me, when you do your uh, garment dump. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. All right. All right. Okay. Have a great week. Thanks Renee. You too. Mm, Bye-bye. Oh my gosh. You guys have got to go and watch his TikToks. They're absolutely hilarious. And he, uh, I know there's a lot of you out there that aren't on TikTok. Um, and, uh, but this will give you an excuse to get on TikTok. So I just want to, uh, I have, I want to comment on some of the, um, let's see, Coco B says, uh, unfortunately you get used to it. Getting rid of the garments took about a minute to get used to. You know what I found? Tell me, uh, respond back, let me know, or you can DM me or whatever. Um, I found that, you know, we spent most of our married life in the Pacific Northwest and it's chilly. It's just, you know, you've got that dampness, it's wet and there's just a chill in the air. And I remember like there was just that other, that layer that kind of kept you warm. And that was one of the things was like, I'm, I'm kind of cold, you know? Um, so that was interesting, but boy, trying to find clothing, you know, even trying to find modest clothing with your garments. Uh, oh, that was such a hassle. And, and any of you ladies that are out there, you all know that, you know, underwear is part of the whole feeling of being a woman. And it's just so nice to be able to, to find a pretty, pretty underwear along with your pretty outside wear. So, uh, it's one of the things that I really enjoy. So anyway, in fact, you guys will, don't laugh at me, but I was a one piecer my whole life. I could not get used to the two piece because I could not handle having that much stuff around my waist. Like I didn't want to have jeans and then the elastic on around my waist and pulling up 45 different things. If you, you know, when you went to the bathroom and so I was a one piece or can you guys believe that? I mean, yeah, that was crazy. So anyway, I want to ask you be sure and subscribe to this channel. Uh, Shane and I were just talking about the cuckoo algorithms and I know it's annoying people say that, but honestly, if you subscribe and if you like, then it makes a huge difference on how much we get out there. So um, it's really important that you do that. And if you turn on the notifications, because I let my show, my show is on when my guests are available to be on. So I don't have a certain time and day like some of the other podcasts do. I try to work around other people's schedules. And by the way, uh, someone just mentioned Mormon News Roundup. Uh, next week, I'm going to be interviewing... Um, uh, Mormon book review, Stephen Pinecker, and we're going to have a fun conversation right before Christmas. And I love Stephen. I've met him. We've had lunch. He's just a, a, an amazing human. And he's going to be on my show next Friday. So again, I like to work with people and their schedules. So I'm a little bit all over the place. So if you push the notification button, you'll find out when I'm going to be on again. And I'll find out more about the... Um, I'll find out more about the advertisements. I didn't realize, and I'll, I'll be curious when I go back and watch it to see what they were and how that worked. I must've pushed a button, who knows? And also don't forget to donate. Um, the uh, Any donations go directly to Mormon Discussions. Um, they, they're not sent to me. This I am an umbrella underneath Mormon Discussions and the work and stuff that Bill does to make his channel 
excellent. And if you listen to Shane, Bill Real is one of the guys that really helped him through his deconstruction. So any donations go directly to Mormon Discussions. And it's a nonprofit. So if they don't get donations, then they don't survive. So we don't want that to go away. So please donate if you can. And we will see you all again next Friday. Have a great week coming up. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today on She Became Visible. Join me each week as my guests and I explore the path of womanhood and tell all our stories. We'll talk about finding the courage to be ourselves and motivate each other to be everything that we're capable of and meant to be, no matter what happens around us. Please like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to donate at shebecamevisible.org.